0: You know, my grandmother speaks about how all life needs water, human and animal alike. And so we have work to do in protecting our water sources. This is a knowledge that has lived for a very long time. And the question always is where did we fall? Where did we fall off the wagon with being able to protect our natural resources?
1: Hello, and welcome to Saving Planet A. I'm your host, Gizam Eren. In this show, we learn together about sustainability climate change, a circular economy, and jobs that help save the planet. Today, my guest is Zandile Ndlofu. Zandile is South Africa's first black female freediving instructor and the founder of the Black Mermaid Foundation, an organization seeking to create diverse representation in the ocean arena. Her work centers around enabling access to ocean spaces to local ocean-facing communities, She hopes to diversify ocean spaces recreationally, professionally, and in sport, while creating a new generation of ocean guardians. As a diversity and inclusion consultant, she has contributed to global topics that include ocean conservation, climate change, coastal justice, and capacitating the youth to participate in the blue ocean economy. Zandile, welcome to Saving Planet A.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Gazem. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: It's a pleasure to have you. Zambile, let's take it from the beginning. What was your childhood like? What was your relationship with the water like? And how did you discover your love for the ocean?
0: I grew up in Soweto, so I didn't grow up in any place that was ocean-facing. And so the ocean was never a natural direction for me, just because you don't know what you don't know. And Growing up in Soweto was always incredible. And I think the one thing, the one memory that I always have was on the 1st of September, we'd have our uh, ushering in celebration of spring and everyone would grab buckets from their house and you'd fill it with water and we'd just throw water at each other. And it was such a beautiful celebration. And that's probably the closest we we had to being able to celebrate splashes of water on our bodies. Yeah, that's how, that was my... Upbring
1: How did you end up as a free diving instructor? How many years ago was it?
0: Yeah, so in twenty sixteen i gone I end up going on a snorkel trip. I end up going to Bali and end up going on a snorkel trip, and that was actually my first time seeing beneath the surface of the water in twenty sixteen and it was actually just such an incredible experience, of course, there was fear, you know. As the boat was going further and further from shore, I was freaking out because I'd never had um an experience like this. And I mean, even when I jumped into the water after the captain said everybody kit up and jump in, you know, I was still the one who freaked out. You know, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. It was it was crazy. But just from that moment in 2016, I just remember seeing beneath the surface of the water and absolutely being taken. It was so beautiful. It was a world that I'd never seen before. But most importantly, it was it just affirmed all of the beauty that I knew was possible in the world, and uh yeah, and then I went from that trip. I came back to South Africa, mm-hmm. learned to scuba dive, and towards the end of twenty eighteen came across this video where these girls were free diving, and I then went on to do my free diving course in twenty nineteen and qualified as an instructor in twenty twenty
1: You became uh, South Africa's first Black African freediving instructor. Correct. You're enjoying yourself. And then you saw the lack of diversity, didn't you? So you're on the boats. What was that experience like?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, from 2017, when I started scuba diving, it was always just realizing how you're always the only Black person who's a guest on the boat. And, of course, that comes with, with its own challenges, you know. Whether it is just the reminder that you're the outsider, that you're not, um, you're not the normative, you know. Whether people are asking if you're going to die with all of that hair, which is such an irregular question. Like I think the more I sit with it, I wonder how people actually mouth that. And uh, and so it was that it is the challenge of wetsuits that don't quite fit because they, they they're not strongly uh, accommodating of the curvier figure and just language you know I battled with language a lot and just from that entire process when I qualified as a as a freediving instructor I felt like I finally had an opportunity this piece of paper that would allow me to create the change that I wanted to see in the world and that's when I started the Black Mermaid Foundation and I decided to work in a community called Langa here in Cape Town just because they are a little bit further from you know the nicer beaches and and it just reminded me of, you know, growing up in Soweto where we were always just a little bit too far. Uh And for that reason, no one came for us. And so I wanted to create that change. I wanted to create a connection to the ocean, completely knowing that proximity doesn't equate to access. And so even though they are 50 minutes away from the sea, that doesn't mean that they are able to enjoy the oceans that are, you know relatively nearer than people who are in landlocked areas. And I wanted to create that bridge. I wanted to create a connection. I wanted to work into the stories that we grow up with around ocean spaces and hopefully create a world where the kids are able to find home in the ocean and in this finding, be able to protect it.
1: I just want to say at this point, Zandile was talking about all this hair. Zandile has beautiful, long, blue hair. <laughs> you will see on the photo <laughs> on the Instagram <laughs> when I put it up. But she has beautiful hair. You called yourself the Black Mermaid, didn't you? That's the bit that I really loved about it. It's a self-given name.
0: No, it, it was it was just one of those things. You know, when you don't see yourself represented in spaces, when it finally happens and you're like, Hey, I've never seen anything that looks like, like me before in the water. And, and I decided uh, to call myself the black mermaid and it just, it's set, you know? Uh, and there's a song by Astero that's called black mermaid. And I feel like that actually just, it, it notched, it notched the word full on. I just knew in that moment that this is it because that, that song just, places the gist of what it means to be a black mermaid. Something that is so unfamiliar to the to the Western world and to the bigger world actually.
1: In your Guardian interview you, you said you were reclaiming the ocean for children of colour. So first you reclaimed the ocean for yourself, now you're reclaiming it for them, which is it's an incredible mission. I really, really admire you, Zandile. For our listeners, there's a documentary about Zandile on uh, the free streaming platform WaterBear. It's called The Black Mermaid. And now I want to talk a little bit about the experience of getting children of color who haven't necessarily, as you said, uh, had the opportunity to even see the ocean, some of them. How is that experience when they first go in the water? What do they feel? What do you feel giving them this chance?
0: With most of the kids it's always wild fear, right? How it always starts is wild, wild fear. Good luck trying to get the kids into the water. And somewhere along the way, you know, one of the kids will be like, Okay, sure, I'll come. And and it's actually just beautiful to watch the process unfold where there's this fear and then there's this calm. And in this calm, you know, the kid will look beneath the water and you know, from the freak will be this, you know, connection and then this connection and curiosity. And in the curiosity, good luck trying to get the kids out the water. <laughs> and uh, it's always just so incredible to witness for me because, you know, it's it's not often that you ever get to see the the movement of energy from fear to connection to curiosity and to absolute enjoyment, you know. Um And finding home in the space. So for me, it's always just, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Um, I cry often. I cry all the time. Um, just because for me, it's just the heart's work that says maybe the kids find, find a place that is incredibly healing as much as the ocean is. And there's a place where they can just ultimately be free as well, you know, which is, which is my feeling every time when I'm in the water. Two,
1: amazing. Um, you said you wanted kids to realize that the ocean belongs to them as well, and that they should explore careers that are possible at sea. Also, you say we can only care about something once we've seen it, and when we talk about ocean advocates, it starts here. It starts by getting into the water. Can you tell us a bit about that? How how you instill a sense of environmental awareness and what do you see when you go in the ocean? Obviously, you see probably you see plastic pollution and you see the bleaching of the corals. How does that affect kids that they actually see these things happening in front of their very eyes?
0: So, with most of the kids, you know, it, it's interesting. So, how we start every excursion is we sit down, we do an introduction. I do an introduction. The kids introduce themselves. And then we talk about the ocean and the challenges that the ocean is facing. Then we talk about the life that we're probably going to encounter in the water. And then we go out into the water. And I think that's the one thing that you can only highlight both things, right? So we'll talk about plastic pollution. When we go into the water, we will find plastic. Um, And I mean, it's not at like crazy levels like we've seen maybe on greater internets, but you do come across... That fishing line, that plastic bag, that chip packet, and the kids are able to witness it for themselves. And you know, one of the things that I always laugh about is one of my lead, um, one of my lead kids in the group. He will now um, just swim off and go grab that plastic and put it in a suit. You know, swim off and he'll go grab something and put it in the boy. And and I always feel that kids do what um, they see other people do. So yes, I've spoken about the challenges, but it's often them seeing me pick it up that they begin to do it as well, which I feel like is always just a critical currency when we when we want to see change in the world, we begin to be the change, and that change multiplies. And for me, again, you know, when we arrive at the beach, we're often the only black kids there, and so it is to create a safe space for them to play and explore without without feeling any kind of of difference in the space and that for me is 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 important it's incredibly important and if they are able to find that relaxation that connection then that place begins to belong to them and on every single time that they they visit the ocean it's it's more and more of a space that they are able to claim fully for for themselves as theirs too and as key guardians to the space too
1: do any of them express any interest in careers that have to do with the ocean at all? Often
0: after I do like a talk, most of the kids will you know after I do a talk, and with some of the kids, actually they'll be like, "Oh, I want to be a diver and and it's curious because I often wonder you know where 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 does it come from But for me more than that it's it's the excitement that there's a possibility they have seen something, a world that has never existed before and Whether that aspiration runs long or short, uh, it's the fact that they had an opportunity to expand past what they thought was possible.
1: Definitely. What has been the biggest challenge, Zandile, or challenges that you came across in your journey? Because when you say it, it sounds very smooth, but probably it's anything but.
0: The challenges are many. I mean, I think when you move into any space that is undiverse, it's very difficult because the normative is assumed to only be one instead of everyone else. And I mean, I think I've spoken about the hair, I've spoken about suits, and I've spoken about um, language. But from the foundation perspective, I don't come from any kind of wealth. And so the foundation has always been self-funded. And I think that's always been a, a challenge because then it says, we're only able to go out on excursions when I've been able to make a little bit more money that allows us to be able to. And I think for me, that's one of the things that I'm always cognizant of to say, I want to create this change, but there's so much of it that is is on the individual level. Um, and now we're actually doing work to, of course, become, you know, to get more support get more funding. But I think also what's important for me and was important in the beginning was that I didn't want the foundation to become someone else's to end up serving any other agenda than what I had set out to do. And I think that was the the thinking in the beginning to say I want this to be to look a certain way, to work a certain way. And if there's going to be a partner that comes on board, they need to be you know, adding to the vision, not wanting to detract from the current vision. And and I think because we've been around for a little bit longer now, I'm a bit more comfortable to open up to say what would happen if, you know, we get more donors on board. So there's the challenge of the individual, but I think in the greater, it's always said, how are we able to raise money so that we're able to consistently offer the space and perhaps even grow to do swimming lessons as we'll be doing in the new year.
1: I hope you do. And I hope you uh, extend your work to other countries as well, if that's something that you're interested in.
0: 100%. That's it's definitely amazing. a part of the dream. Thank you.
1: Oh, I hope I hope it happens for you very soon. And uh, before I move on to my final questions, I just want to, because the the documentary was very moving, and i just want to quote your wise grandmother kristina kumalo i can't i can't pass that opportunity by <laughs> she says you must not make the water dirty you must not throw dirt in the water because water is life i think it's a gift that god gave zandi to spend time in the ocean it purifies her and gives her life i guess she was created for the ocean so what 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 do you want to say to that
0: you know, it's interesting, like that closing that you gave, I thought was curious because it always it's it's a part of the narrative that we hold for ourselves. In any space, when we start to see something that looks different, we say, Oh, it must just be them. And 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 so for me it said, you know, the ocean belongs to everybody. So what does it mean to tap into the parts where we see um the representation that is much needed and go in? But above that, it's also just how, you know, my grandmother speaks about how all life needs water, human and animal alike. And so we have work to do in protecting our water sources. This is a knowledge that has lived for a very long time. And the question always says, where did we fall? Where did we fall off the wagon with being able to protect our natural resources? So, you know, as she said that, it was just, it was an affirmation of what, We've always known, but the question said, when did we fall off the wagon? Um, But also, too, was saying, you know, as humans, we always do that. When we see Michael Phelps, we say only he could swim like that. When we see LeBron James, we say only LeBron could do that. But in all the worlds, it is possible for all of us. And we really need to move away from the narrative of isolating any individual as as." As something more different than any of us, all of us have the collective ability to create and find those levels of performance if we wanted to, or explorations if we wanted to.
1: Definitely, you've put it so well. Any individual or any group, for that matter, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any
1: group of people,
0: absolutely. Which is the powerful thing, right? Because if humans, if humans want to. Uh, humans are able to recognize the collective power of the human race and make changes and create the worlds that would be most beneficial in the future. So if we together wanted to, we could actually put our resources together to, to use our voices, use our actions to petition for change in all the ways we want. We can physically create the worlds that we want to live in. And I feel like that's something that we always need to be reminded of in in our own explorations
1: definitely you're a very eloquent speaker <laughs> thank you And um, now for my final two questions the first one Zandile what gives you hope
0: the youth gives me hope the youth gives me hope they are they are less fearful they are more bold and ultimately they carry a vision often that none of us can see and so it is to empower them, let them be on the front lines, let them speak, let, them, let their boldness encourage us into all we can be because often they dream without boundaries. So they are, they are really an exciting thing for me always, little people.
1: And you get to see them closely, don't you?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think it's just it's an incredible opportunity to be able to witness the young spirit.
1: And what's your best tip for saving planet A, Zandele? It doesn't have to be just one. You can multisame a couple if you want.
0: I would say it would be to be more intentional, to be intentional with how we consume, to be intentional with how we purchase, to be intentional with how we move. Um, because that intentionality is the is the stars along the way of how we make a collective change. So... When I talk about consumption, it is, you know, the usage of single-use plastic. Are you going to, you know, it is using reusable straws. It is being aware of where your meat comes from. Um, it is being aware that, the, you know, climate change is a serious thing. And so every single choice and decision that we make intentionally adds to the trajectory where we are currently heading, or it begins to create the change that would allow us to not leave a burning planet for the generations to come. So it would be intentionality across all the facets of our lives because it really does allow us to give our planet a chance to to heal and be able to provide even more for the generations to come as she has for generations before.
1: Great tip, being intentional. Is there anything else you want to add, Zandile, to this?
0: I'm just... Thank you for the opportunity. It was just really incredible to be able to share, to share my heart. And, and yeah, I think intentionality is key. You know, I always say, you know, the stopping of single use plastic, the being aware of where your fish comes from, where your food comes from, all these things matter. Um, If you're able to drive together, you know, carpool in moments when you can, you know, there's so much that we can do, but it requires intentionality and awareness, And I feel like that's where it all starts and that's where all change comes from.
1: Yes, definitely. Do you have any plans of partnering up with environmental organizations at all?
0: Yes, I do. Uh, I recently partnered up with the 11th Hour team, which is doing absolutely incredible work in the ocean conservation space. They're a sailing ocean team. And yeah, I think there's going to be more partnerships, which is really exciting and just looking to open up into all of that and see what's possible.
1: Yeah, Zandile, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Gizem. It was really beautiful.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of Saving Planet A, I'd really appreciate it if you comment and subscribe so that other people can know that we exist. Thank you again for listening.